<laughs> exactly. Hey guys, it's Lavetta. And it's Miriam. And this is the Notorious Women Podcast, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. Yes, yes. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm like ready for like this like colder weather situation. You know? Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 I do. Um, but, but at least it's Thanksgiving because when this hits, it's going to be Thanksgiving. Oh my God. So this is our Thanksgiving you episode. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. I messed up last week. I was like, it's the Thanksgiving episode. And you were like, but it's not. So now it is. You know what, though, Lavetta? I can't remember now. I still think you're wrong. I think last week was Thanksgiving. I do. No, I checked. Did you? And rechecked. Did you? And this episode's going to be, yes. Okay. You're awfully confident (laughs) about that. Well. You and your, like, math skills. Okay, you know what? I have other very good skills. I don't need, like, math skills. AKA loser nerd. Is that what you're trying to say? That's like, I don't think I'm trying to say anything. I think I've succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) I, I will accept that. And I uh, proudly wear that moniker of loser nerd because nerds are cool now, but they didn't used to be cool. But listen, all my favorite people are loser nerds. So it's maybe a compliment. I don't know. (laughs) I know. It's just those uh, those angry nerds that are giving us a bad I rap. I know, right? So, That's true. They're terrible. They really are. And the racism mm-hmm. and sexism. It's like, that is, are you, you're not a real That's nerd. That's not a nerd. No. Sal has a whole thing. That's a no. geek. Or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't There's know. like a tier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, nerds are supposed to be kind and like. But they're so knowledgeable the that they understand, like, racism is a construct. They understand Women, of course, because they know, right? So they're like aware. They're like, of course, women have the same brain capacity as men. I've studied science. I'm a nerd. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. But yeah. So these these problematic nerds have always surprised yeah, me. Yeah, but so. they're not very bright. That's why um, I'll say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're just nerdy about one specific thing and that's it. Whereas they're not a true nerd because a true nerd is nerdy about a lot of things. Oh. So, that is true. Yeah. That is true. That, right. Which expands not, your empathy. I'm not so. exactly. I'm not giving you nerd credit for that. I'm giving you geek credit for that. And that is different, my friend. Oh, that is very, mm-hmm. that is true. That is That's true. Right. My bad. That is very true. So. <laughs> Do I talk about this too much? But, yes. Do you talk about this too much? <laughs> also, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I know. Um, but actually, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. And unless it was last week. I Anyways, also, go on. Unless it was, I know, right? No, it's this week. I'm pretty sure. Mm, am I? I think you're wrong. Am I Urkel voice? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, All right, go on. Uh, <laughs> I, I also want to give a shout out to the Michaud Mission podcast, yes. which I was a guest on last week. So hopefully you guys check that out. The Michelle Mission is a fantastic, fantastic podcast uh, with uh, Lennon Vents. And they, it's two, it, what do they say? They say, I think their uh, tagline is two men, one podcast. And it's about every black film made. It's so good. So they're working. Guys, watch her yeah. episode. Lavetta, like, she's slight. Okay. 
Slay Slay. It was amazing. I was so proud of this, my girl. Okay. And Lynn and Vince were so great, so gracious and hilarious. uh, And they um, tolerated me for uh, the length of their podcast. And I appreciate it. We covered. uh, So basically they cover. They're very sweet. So I I, and I'm a big fan. So I was geeking out a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, But they cover basically every black film made. That's what they said. So they're making their way through the uh, the catalog. It's a lot of films. So canon, um, if you will. Do you see what I did there? Because your yeah. last name, the canon of I films. Just, that's that was so, see, it's a really funny joke if you think about friends. it really hard. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's it's shot out of there like that. Ah, okay. Uh, okay, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> but it was such a pleasure being on the Michelle Mission and we covered Deliver Us from Eva which stars Gabrielle Union and LL Cool J. It's a rom-com that's I loved loosely it. based on Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew. So uh, if you guys are interested in those movies, check it out if you want to support. Uh, but uh, for we are also back. And I plug Notorious Women podcast. They let me do that. Let me go on my sort of uh, true crime rant she did. about loving murderesses. Yes. Um, and, but also I talked about how wonderful Miriam is who tries Aww. to... to uh, keep me in check because me... this it'll be murder all murder all the time on this podcast yeah. if it wasn't for me it's a fact uh <laughs> if it was just me if it wasn't for miriam so um you guys are welcome for miriam um, <laughs> but you're more welcome for lavetta because that's why you're here i know it's fine <laughs> <laughs> no 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 uh that's what i love about our podcast you yeah. get a little bit of everything and and i think we should get started yeah, and say. this week i believe i am first okay um and so as, I mean, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm looking for like a a, a, a subject, a woman that, you know, that we want to research, get into her world, get into her mind uh, as we're getting into our research for an episode, I sometimes I like to find themes and sometimes I'm not so good at it. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I just find somebody and I'm like, I love this person so much. Okay. Um, and so it's... Um, Hold on for just a second. I'm sorry. I'm having a technical thing. Wow, but, uh, you're so really keeping us for waiting. This one, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. But for this one, I was like, well, it's Thanksgiving, right? So let me uh, find somebody who would be on theme, right? Okay. I sort of thought so about that, I but like, I didn't really commit. Go on. <laughs> yeah. So I thought um, maybe... Someone, I thought maybe should I do a Native American woman who we always love right. to do, give homage to um, our Native American uh, folks because they don't get as nearly much. Uh, That's true. Um, yeah. So and then I thought, but what was the first Thanksgiving? Oh, let's talk about that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I came across someone that I thought is so fascinating um and hold on for just a second let me pull it up you guys she lost her paperwork i'm gonna be uh, honest with you i, yeah, I, I don't I did. know that as a fact but like i can feel it in her voice like i can feel it they're behind the scenes uh-huh. they're like i'm like kind of panicking i'm like where did i put it did yeah. i delete it by accident did you delete no. It? <laughs> uh, no 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 i definitely did not delete it uh hold on i am pulling it up do, but my computer do, is do, not do, being do, so like okay okay Okay, now my notorious woman okay. for this week is uh-huh. da, 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 Eleanor Billington. I have no idea who that is. 
Oh, good. I'm excited. Good, 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 good. Yes. Okay. okay. So Eleanor Billington um, is, well, first off, uh, so my main sources for today's uh, story on Eleanor Billington uh, is from MayflowerHistory.com. AmericanAncestors.org and the Pilgrim Hall Museum.com okay. web- website, along uh, amongst many others. Okay. So, this is a woman that was on the Mayflower that came over. Okay. Yeah. Now, because even though we have a lot of information about the Mayflower that may or may not be true, because it's told from one straight white dude yeah. who was really religious. Yep. But you can't always trust <laughs> that source. You can't. Um, but they're a white man. Did you know that they're also cisgender? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but also because it's people have to. So this is a context for this story and for many stories from about the Mayflower. It was basically a um, it's. It, it was basically the, the information that we got and that they sent back to England was basically to get more funding. Right. So they tended to make things appear in a way that would be conducive to more investors investing in the new oh, world. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you just have to always take what they say with a grain of salt and also her being a woman. So it's always t- attached to her husband. Um, and yep. but a lot of the stuff is very murky, a lot of the facts, but then some of the stuff is very uh, spelled out. But again, you don't really know how much of it is true. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. So some of the murky facts uh, about her it comes from her name. So it's either spelled Eleanor E-L-E-A or Eleanor E-L-I. OK. Um, and then in some records, she's also called Ellen E. E-L-I-N or E-L-L-E-N or Helen. Oh, wow. So like, who is she? <laughs> yeah, but we we pretty much, we kind of know it's probably Eleanor, E-L-I-N-O-R, okay. because of, uh, you can usually find accurate information when it comes to finances. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. and later like deeds or like land deeds and that kind of stuff. Usually that's when they get everything right. Um, but if you do a search for her, you might come up with those different, uh, uh, variations on the spelling of her okay. name. So now, so some of the facts are a little bit murky, um, and they come from the, basically the pilgrim leader and the second governor of, uh, Plymouth, William Bradford. So he was basically in charge and he, things are kind of told from his bent. Okay. But I still think Eleanor Billington is really, really hilarious. Okay. Um, and her family are very, very interesting. So now her last name at birth and exact origins and parents are not quite proven in concrete, but there are oh. strong clues to her origins and her possible parents. So um, they know that she almost certainly originated from the area of Calbit and Spalding and Lincolnshire, England. Wow, that's very okay. English. That is the English yes. so, English I've ever heard. I've ever English. So she may Calbit. So they suspect that she was born around or on or in fifteen eighty two as Eleanor Armstrong. I really love okay. that. Like I want to talk about this woman. I don't know her name or where she's from cool <laughs> yeah this is sometimes yeah. we gotta do what we gotta do you know 
I love it. I just want to put the facts out there because, right. you know, again, hashtags not historians. But, you know, if you're looking for this information, you want to go down the right. rabbit hole because there's also whole societies of the Mayflower people. People yeah, are very proud true. of being related to people on the Mayflower. Well, I did so, the same thing with Pocahontas. Um, I'm like, here's Pocahontas. No one knows anything. <laughs> you exactly. know what I mean? Like sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. So she was born around 1582. um, And now in 1604, she married John Billington. Okay. And they settled in Lincolnshire County, England. Okay. Um, The two would go on to have two children, John II, John Jr. and Francis. Okay. In 1620, she was among the 19 adult women, 50 adult men, and 33 young adults and children to board the Mayflower on its way to the New World. Okay. 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 Now, from the start, uh, Eleanor and her family were disliked by William Bradford, the leader of the Puritans, Sounds familiar. and the authorities. Okay. And known as troublemakers. Maybe I like her. Go on. Now, yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be a little bit of both. It's, people are complicated. Yeah. Okay. Now, she and her, she, so basically the Mayflower, we think of it as, when I was little, as the Puritans, but there were a number of different groups on the Mayflower. Oh. The Puritans, uh, and then there was a group called the Separatists that weren't quite Puritans, but wanted to separate from the church. They were a different de- denomination. And then there were strangers who tended not to be religious. They could be uh, merchants, indigenous servants, oh. uh, orphans. And they were called strangers by the Puritans. That sounds right. Um, Weirdos. And the, <laughs> the Billingtons were part of the strangers, but they were also okay. uh, what I would call uh, maybe white trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not in income, but definitely in... Uh, mm, I'm, I'm going to get into it. So I'm excited. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> now, by all accounts, by all accounts, with the Puritans, the Separatists, and the Strangers, even their fellow Strangers, they were ill, ill-behaved family. Okay. They were that family on you, like here come these motherfuckers. Okay. 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 Got it. Yeah. 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 Now they must have had some wealth because uh, they were able to get a private cabin on the Mayflower. Oh, fancy. Okay. So. And again, that's why white trash don't always mean you poor. It just means a behavior. It's like right. uh, white trash is ghetto for black people. People like to use that moniker. Now people use ghetto for everything. But yeah. you could be rich and still be ghetto. Right. right. So it's that kind of thing. Right. Um, I think white trash is more of a southern thing. But people who know it know know what it means. So <laughs> um, so they had a little means, but they were just trouble. They were just the, the motherfuckers. You're like, here they come. Here they come. I think. Yeah. Um. So now from the beginning, because the the pilgrims were not fun people. Okay. Yeah. They just they're not. I mean they're they, sticks up their asses. Listen, it's in their doctrine to not be fun. They're like, what the number yeah. one thing is no fun. They're like cuckoo. And the Right. And the Billingtons were either whether you just rabble rousers, just difficult people, but at least they didn't have sticks up their asses. Right. So I, I kinda like them for that. Um, but from the start, there was tension between the Pilgrims and the Billington family, okay. especially the father, John. Okay. Now, out to sea, John was part of a group of mostly the strangers who to try to do a mutiny. Oh, uh, 
No kidding. Because initially they were supposed to go to uh, a certain part of Virginia. Okay. Uh, that they were going to call Virginia. But basically they veered off course and found that it was more um, advantageous to go to another route and eventually in, in another place. So basically the strangers argue that the Virginia company contract was void. So the Virginia company is the one that um, funded. Okay the voyage and invested in it and then you paid and you know um and so john billington along with the other strange a lot a, a lot of the strangers argued that the contract was void since they were veering off of course um and so they were no longer bound to the company's charter okay obviously this not this did not please william bradford yep. the leader yep yep, yep. Um, and also, again, there's a little bit of mutiny brewing (laughs) in the background. Um, so they're on this ship traveling across to someplace they've never gone to this like sea from as far as you can see. And then these people are like starting a fight. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, so it is not obviously... Bradford would be like, these motherfuckers, like they're kind of using this situation to their advantage, which, again, I might be with the strangers on this. Like, well, why? Especially if these people got sticks up their ass. Like, why we got to go with this? But but then it's like, dude, you made a commitment and now you're kind of changing mid course because we're literally in the middle of the sea. That's where I'm like unsure about who's got the skills for the boating situation. You know what I mean? Like, do you know how to veer a ship? Right. And yeah, and it's about what a hundred and it's a little bit over a hundred people on board. So you kind of have to, William Bradford was smart and he was just like, okay, we got to figure something out. So they, to uh, quell the, like the, the brewing conflict and the, you know, discontent, they decided, well, the men decided, of course, uh, to basically 41 adult male colonists, including two indentured servants signed what they called the Mayflower Compact. Um, and basically it was a new agreement that they signed on November 11th, 1620. Like in the middle of the ocean? In the middle of the ocean. Wow. Basically. Okay. Yeah. So once the ship reached Cape Cod, the Cape Cod area, and they were anchored at Provincetown Harbor, um, the passengers had to remain on board until they had to build, like they had to construct like housing right. on the land. So they were docked off land. Um, and, uh, soon after everyone settled, they actually elected a man by the name of John Carver as their governor on November 21st, 1620, but he would die, uh, the following year in April. Uh, so then Bradford would eventually become the second governor. But before we get to that, so they dock, all of this is brewing and then they finally dock on Cape Cod and they're like, oh, we're finally here, but it it never looks the way you think it's going to look because they didn't know what to expect. Um, the Billingtons, so again, everyone's staying on board. The Billingtons being that pain in the ass family. So young Francis, and I, I bet you they're the kind of parents that don't look after you, their kids like, and let listen, their kids run. I know exactly who these crazy. people are and they drive me yeah. fucking insane because I end up having to discipline their children and I'm mad. Okay. Yes. I'm already mad. And then they're like, don't you talk to my kid like that? Yeah, exactly. That, they're like, how dare you? And I was like, I was stopping your child from taking the knife and plunging it into their foot. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay. Well, young Francis Billington uh, did a little bit more than that. Oh, so Lord. they're docked in <laughs> Provincetown Harbor, right? Uh-huh. They're building 
They're probably tired. They're hungry. Yeah. They're like, how long is this going to fucking yeah. take? So young Francis, I guess because he's bored. Yeah. He takes his father's musket. Oh. And fires it inside the cabin. Near. John. Barrels of gunpowder. Why? Stupid. Watch your children. Jesus. Coming this close to killing a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. the Mayflower. Yeah. <sighs> And things didn't get better because once they finally got some housing that they could all move into from the ship, um, young Francis climbed a tree and saw what he said to be a great lake. This is the most white privilege stuff I've ever heard of. Oh, this is young Francis being a little little shit. Okay. Yeah. A a great scene. So they got... So everyone got excited. So they went to investigate probably the men. Turned out to be a very shallow (laughs) pond. This young white boy thinks day, it's Lake Erie. It's Lake Erie. No, dude. All right. To this day, they call it Billington Sea. Okay. God damn it. Right. That's some white people now, shit right there. Now, y'all friends are paying in the... That is some... We're that still calling shit. it Billington Sea. Like that. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Came to a land with people on it, and they call it Billington that, Sea. So, yeah, um, now, not to be outdone, John Jr. Okay. Here he comes. Wandered off into the woods one day and was taken by the Nosset Indians to Cape Cod. Oh. Where he lived for about a month. Again, they don't know if if the uh, native population is hostile, is friendly. They don't know. Because remember, Roanoke yep. <laughs> preceded all it of did. this. Yeah. So, like, you don't know. So they're freaking out and white people being white people are also definitely freaking out because they're like, oh, the natives are definitely uh, hostile, even though they may not have any evidence. Or maybe the natives are like, why is this child all alone? How terrible. Let us help you. You know what I'm saying? Like trash parents. We're going to fix this. But again. They're trying to build a new settlement in this this little shit. Yeah, you could <laughs> call it what it is. Did he get kidnapped or were they like, oh, my God, the fuck? He but you, but you know, the Billingtons are the kind of people who be like, oh, my God, you better go get my kid. And then yeah. and it's like, why did your fucking kid wander yeah. off? <laughs> yeah. Do you need to you need to tie him up somewhere? I don't know what to tell you. Raise your children. <sighs> And it was, they were already starving. Yeah. They had run out of supplies. So they were already starving. They're tired. And now they got to go and look rescue, quote unquote, this little shit. So he was returned for after a month. And when they actually found him, basically, it's like what you said. The It seemed like the yeah. native population, the native group that had him, they were actually looking after him because he was a yeah, kid. Yeah, he was probably fat and happy. And he was covered in beads. Yeah. And they were like, oh, no harm, exactly. no foul. They were probably like, you poor don't child. He's so skinny. We'll fix it. This... Yeah. So these people are paying in the motherfucking yeah, ass. And then again, these people are starving. So um, now Eleanor herself, I'm getting more into Eleanor. She was one of only five adult women to survive that first winter. Wow. That's rough. Yeah. It was like it was like it was it was not going well. Um, so. They so she again, she was uh, one of the few survivors uh, to survive that first winter. So things are, are you know, it's not Roanoke. We haven't disappeared right. <laughs> back in 1585, but it's still pretty tough. And then to make matters worse, uh, March of 1621. So the following year uh, after they made it through that first winter, uh, John, Eleanor's husband, was brought before the company for contempt of, of captains. So basically, he was he was talking disrespectful and 
out of the side of his mouth to authorities mm. in the settlement. Okay, that sounds uh, right. I'm telling you, it, it's like yeah, uh, a, a captain by the name of Miles Standish, okay. and so they actually threatened to hogtie him but hogtie i thought hogtie was basically your hands and like no they it would be around your neck oh oh so you basically had to be in that 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 circular position unless you would strangle yourself oh my god and so he begged for forgiveness. Yeah, hogtie. And when you realize what it is, you're like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Like, I thought it was just like you're on your back and they talk, you know, like. I thought it was how no. you tie up. You're a literally. I thought, uh, not know that you do this. To no. Oof. Yeah. So um, but because it was his first offense, they let him off. Um, but and he also begged like because he knew basically you were killing yourself. Like, really? Yeah. Um, and also it. It. I think a lot of this, the, the background is that they need every able-bodied person. They've lost a bunch of people to illness, yeah. starvation, that previous winter. So they're like, okay, let it slide. But again, these are not people like, let's work together, yeah. kumbaya. Yeah. These are some pain in the ass people. Like, I could just feel that coming off the page. Mm. Um, now, by the time of the harvest celebration in the autumn of the following year in 1621, a.k.a. the first Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Only 51 of the original 102 Mayflower passengers had survived. Wow. That's that's a t- that's intense. Although in my head so, because we yeah. care so much about the Mayflower in this country in our in our primary education, it's only 100 people. Like it's so small. It's so small. So they can't and they've lost almost half of that. Yeah. It's like people have 52 died like people. so that's very small. So that's what I'm saying. The motherfuckers you need that that are there, you need them to be cooperative. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> like, do. In the building you do. At least not. you want it. You know. You want them to be cooperative. It's good to want things. Okay. <laughs> so again, Eleanor was one of four women to survive along with Elizabeth Hopkins, Susanna White, and Mary Brewster. Okay. Um, now, with the assistance of a couple of older girls, it was basically Eleanor, the three other women who were in charge of the food preparation for the three day harvest feast celebrated uh, by the colonizers, basically mm-hmm. in the fall of, of 1621. Um, added to the Thanksgiving feast was reportedly Chief Masiat and 90 uh, Native American men, uh, plus uh, the newest child, a Harry Greene White, who was born at the end of November in ni- in sixteen twenty. I love that his last name is White. That just feels right. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think Perry Green Perry Green may be a girl. I think. Oh, it could be. Yeah, I think it may be a girl. Uh, but even after this reportedly happy Thanksgiving, uh-huh. and maybe not the the most accurate account of the first Thanksgiving. The militants didn't stop their foolishness. Nope, nope. That that'd be like right, mm-hmm. right. Nope. They continued to be a nuisance to the uptight uh, pilgrims, but also to their neighbors. They were accused of being foul-mouthed, thieves, and all-around pains in the ass. Yeah, sounds right. And to top it off, ten years into it, right? So they continued, and basically, when if you were if you survived, so fifty-one people survived. um, Only uh, part of those are adults. You were a part of the. uh, Basically, you were um, given land. Oh, that probably belonged to yeah Native you weren't American really people, yeah but you were given you were land, given stolen land right? yes i hear you <laughs> you were given stolen <laughs> land exactly um so you had a um a kind of you know you were an elder 
So you give them uh, a high status in society right. because once they got established, uh, more people started coming. More white people yeah. started invading native land, right? Yeah. So, um, so they just became a pain in the ass, but also they were part of the elders. You had to give them that respect because they were on their original voyage. But in September of 1630, so 10 years in, uh-huh. Eleanor's husband, John Billington, was found guilty by, quote, plain and notorious evidence ah. of the willful murder of a man by the name of John Newcomen. Newcomen. Wow. Okay. A murderer. Who. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it basically, John Billington has a distinguished of being uh, the first one to be committed, uh, uh, to be um, committed uh, and found guilty of a crime in the new world and oh. bar- thereby introducing white on white crime mm. in America. Mm. It is a just... problem. It is a problem. Definitely. So problem. white on white crime mm. preceded mm. black on black crime. I'm yeah. just. Yeah. Listen. Listen, I feel like that came first. Okay. Yeah. Listen, what an honor to be given. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, John Billington was much older and he was an elder. And John Newcomen was only 17. Oh, he killed he a was, child. Uh, okay. Well, he, well, I mean, 17 and 1630 was not really. That's, that's a grown can, ass man. But yeah, it, uh, much younger than him. Now, John Newcomen was not a saint, even though he was labeled saint by the pilgrims because uh, he was religious, <laughs> actually. Yeah, this um, all tracks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it all tracks. And he was also a newcomer to the settlement, the colony. So he himself uh, was a newcomer and then his name is Newcomen. Yes, I... I they kept it simple back then. I don't know if that's why his last name was Newcomen or if it's just a co-ink-a-dink. I don't know. But basically, uh, one of the authorities um, um, wrote back to England because, again, they're they're writing back to uh, England to let them know what's going on. And so this is what uh, Bradford the guy that did, doesn't really like Billington, but who's now the governor, right. wrote back, okay. quote, this year, John Billington, the elder, one that came over with, with the first, was arraigned and both by grand and petty jury found guilty of willful murder by plain and notorious evidence and was for the same accordingly executed. Ooh, oh, they got it done. This, okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Uh, and then he goes on to say he and some of his had been often punished for miscarriages before being one of the profanest families amongst them, end mm. quote. OK, so now Bradford, again, had a bit of a stick up his ass and he is the most he is the preeminent source for what happened at the colony. But again, it was all kind of colored by his opinions right and it was also again because they're not going to write back like we're starving these people are terrible it, it sucks here there's mosquitoes they're not going to write back to get more people to invest and more people to come right they're going to like, write back oh this happened and but he did not like john billington from he didn't like the billington family because they were not pilgrims and they were not religious right. they were strangers but I have a feeling that John was a pain in the ass, too. Yeah, um, you know, and two, then given, two, two wrongs can exist side by side, you know. Exactly. Yes. And John, given he was an elder, so he had a little status. And then someone like that, you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. So um, but you have to take what Bradford said with a grain of salt is my point. Right. Um, now, you you might want to ask about Eleanor herself, I, I right? Because this is notorious women. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because uh, after John. So John was uh, executed. Right. Um, she 
A couple years later in, ni- in 1636, so six years after that, she was uh, convicted of slandering her neighbor and fellow colonizer, a man by the name of John Doan, okay. in 1636. Was there anyone back then that uh, was not named John? I'm just curious. I know. <laughs> but she basically was 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 slandering him. Okay. Um, and who knows why, but she was fined five pounds at the time. Yeah. And she was uh, put in the stockades for that. Oh, well, you know, that makes sense. I mean. And whipped. Oh, Jesus. So. Well, she was a woman. So, you know. Yeah. Whew. Slander, and huh? Now, okay. this... <laughs> Another thing that happened for now, her granddaughter, Dorcas, I believe Dorcas was uh, Francis's child. I could be wrong, but it was uh, Eleanor's granddaughter, Dorcas, who at age 22 was sentenced to whipping for having sexual intercourse with a man. What? Which that is why I'm like, Bradford was was on some bullshit. Like I, you know, the Billingtons were not like saints. And yeah, but maybe they were foul mouth, but. Whipping so she was a young woman for, for being a woman, existing yeah. as a woman, essentially. Okay. So who was she having sex with? Was he whipped? No, obviously not. He was high-fived. Probably not. Yeah, okay. You don't have much of that. But also, when I read that, I was like, what the fuck is this? So to be fair, the Billingtons were probably not the only pains in the asses. But the other colonizers were also doing some shit. That's why that whole Dorcas thing doesn't sit right with me. Because by 1690, so you're 70 years in, there are about 770 colonizers in the New World by this time. Okay. Uh, And they were engaged in a whole bunch of stuff. Fighting, rape. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of what they called buggery back then. You want to know what buggery is? I do. Having sexual relations with livestock. Oh, my God. Why? A lot, a lot, a lot of that was going on. Uh, Oh, yeah, I can't. A lot. I don't understand. Use a pillow. A lot of that was going on. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. One man was even engaged in buggery with other people's livestock. Okay, you know mm -mm, what? mm -mm. Stick to your own livestock. Mm -mm. What is happening? Yeah. Jesus. Oh, and you know, I forgot to say with with John and uh, Newcomen, basically Newcomen was uh, pilfering, stealing from his land, from John's land. That was John's. uh, Oh, that's why he murdered uh, him. Well, he so basically Newcomen was a kid. He's just a a snot snot nosed kid who's just like stealing chickens, all kinds of stuff. But that was live or die back then. Like you. You know, and apparently John Billington had warned him, but John Newcomen was just like, I don't know, he was baiting him or whatever. So one day he caught him on his land and he shot at him and he actually shot him in the shoulder and he didn't die from that. He died from the infection. Okay. But But because, again, Bradford didn't really like John. And I can imagine John just being an asshole. I feel like John Billington made it hard to like him. Yes. (laughs) But... He knew Cummins shouldn't have been on his land. So, okay. He, so that it's two things can be true at the same time. I think this family started off on the wrong foot and they just never got back on the foot. But I also think they were pains in the motherfucking ass. Okay. Yeah. I think they were annoying as hell. <laughs> um, you know, um, again, Eleanor was whipped in 1636. And then in 1638, she actually remarried a oh. man by the name of Gregory. Okay. So, not a John, Gregory. Oh. Uh, Armstrong. Um, and so, again, that may be where that Armstrong came from. So, 
Okay. There's a lot of murkiness about the name. Yeah. But, uh, these are the facts that we do know that she was remarried. Okay. Uh, and they had no additional children's children's uh, <laughs> children. Um, but land records show that uh, basically when it comes to Eleanor Billington, she survived more than 20 years in the new world. And she died in uh, Plymouth uh, in March of either 1642 or 1643 at the age of around 60 or 61. Okay. Um, and the reason why we think is around that time, because later on uh, in, like I said, uh, land documents, it, it they had given her some land after John Sr. had died because, again, they were landowners. They were right. the original. They were elders. Um, so they were given that distinction. Now, after uh, now, John Jr., John Jr. died before Eleanor or between 1627 oh. um, and 1630. Before his father, but I couldn't figure out why. I really didn't really go down I mean, that I rabbit hole you, for John I Jr. I think you died of the 1600s back then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I, yeah. I, I died of lack of knowledge, you know? <laughs> yeah. it's But Francis, the younger son, it, he eventually married a, a woman by the name of Christian Penn Eaton in Plymouth in July of 1634. Okay. And they went on to have nine children. Wow, that's a lot of children. Yeah. But a census taken or survey taken in 1650 indicated that Francis had moved to uh, New England um, and he died in Middleborough, on December 3rd, 1684. Oh, so he lived like a long life. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he lived a long life. Uh, now, fun fact, there's a whole like like community of people who are very proud of being descendants of the Billingtons. Okay. Uh, because they do seem like at least they, you could have a good time at a party with the Billingtons, <laughs> yes. but you may not want to build a house with the Billingtons because they were a pain in you the know, fucking ass, right? Yes. Um, and they kind of remind me of like the Hatfields and McCoys, just like, and that's oh, what totally. I mean, like, even though the Hatfields and McCoys, like, we consider that kind of ill, kind of white trash, but they still had money, but it's not about the money. It's about like the attitude, right? Like, it's about, they kind of remind me of that. Like, they're just going to be up to like fighting. Like, if I were on the Mayflower, I would just, even though the Puritans are pain in the fucking ass, I'd be like, let's just bide our time. Get in here, get what we need, and like, let's not rock the boat. We need these people to make it to land. You know what, um, Lavetta? And we would be in the same mm-hmm. literal boat. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. let's. Because I'm yeah. like, can we get on land first before we start fighting? That that, that would yeah. be me. I'm like, can we get on land? Someone could try accidentally throw you over. You know, like, I don't want to play with that. Let's just like, and I would know. imagine the other strangers. Like, I probably wouldn't have been like a a, a saint or like a a separatist or a pilgrim. But even if I was a stranger, I'd be like, "Can we just get See, on land before you motherfucker start shit?" Like, it's funny, Lavetta. Like you and I, like I'm sure you felt. I remember right. We had to write an essay about like if you were a, a pilgrim, not a pilgrim. Um, uh, what is what? Are, we we were just talking about them the P- puritans. puritans like if you were pure in puritan yeah. age what would it be like write a story and i was like i would immediately like what if you like you know apparated into that world in the puritan world and i was like i would immediately run and hide because i'm jewish like that was my story i wrote a story about how i would like run into the woods and hide behind a 
big tree and then see if I could climb it because they're going to murder me. That was my response to that. So, Levetta, you and I would be climbing trees, yes. hiding from these crazy white people. <laughs> Crazy white people, and I and I I misspoke. So pilgrims are different than Puritans. Yes, P- uh, pil- uh, pilgrims right. were separatists who rejected the Church of England, um, and its remnants of Catholicism. And uh, Puritans were non-separatists, but were equally fervent about their religious yes. conviction. So, and the Puritans are uh, more like the witch, the Salem witch trials, uh-huh. and the Puritans. Yes. Um, and so, so I just, I misspoke there, but these were pilgrims, but on the ship were pilgrims and then separatists, which would, would be separatists, but not necessarily pilgrims and then strangers, which were, could have been Catholic, right. but they just were not of that. So I feel like Bradford probably looked down, especially on the strangers, but again, I probably have been among the strangers, but it's like, oh, let's yeah. just, can, can you motherfuckers not fight, start a fight with these fucking pilgrims until we get to land that that and that's, i would be I like, like i love jesus and she's just very tan it's fine we're fine i did right <laughs> it's like yeah like it's like can we just not do this right now like but yeah. you know but but now fun fact again there's a whole like community of people who find who are where it is a badge of honor to be from the billingtons okay. descendants of the billingtons but uh president james garfield was apparently a descendant of john billington Can we talk for just a second? Because I feel like this whole story very much begs the question, generational wealth. So Mm -hmm. they get to this land and then Mm -hmm. immediately are landowners because white. Yep. And then their children get that land, inherit that land. Like if people are wondering, like, why are all these people talking about generational wealth? This is what we're talking. We stole land, called your own. And now we have all these people who are like sitting on millions of dollars because of that. Like, that's what we're talking about. Like, there's other versions of it, too. I understand that. But like, wow, they just like got here and like took it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, but that's going to fall on deaf ears okay. for people who don't really care. But, but that's, that is how that works. If you start off um, ahead with, you know, your family members who can even help you out financially with a down payment on a uh-huh. house or, you know, all of that other stuff that, and that's what you, that's what we all strive for. Like I strive to do that yeah. if I ever have children I, or, I'm a or my nieces of, and nephews. I'm generational wealth and I'm very grateful for it, but I'm not going to lie and say like, no, I did. Ever. No, I didn't. <laughs> You know, and that is how it's supposed to work. But that's why you can't look down on people like, well, why aren't you where we are? And it's like, well, because I didn't have that. It's like, you know, um, I was thinking about this. This is a side topic. But uh, uh, recently, Beyonce, you know, uh, Renaissance and everything. But she was saying that um, she always felt pressure to be so perfect because her family had sacrificed for so much like her her parents were solidly middle class when she was coming up but they really put a lot of money and time into her career and she's like I couldn't let them down Mm. like if I failed all of the sacrifices that they made you know and they're just one generation from away from uh poverty or working class like you know her parents her father was an executive i think uh, xerox or something and then her mother was a business owner but their parents were not right <laughs> so like yeah. you know and so like it, they kind usually, of had just enough the next to invest that, in their daughter basically 
Yeah, but you know, she should have gone to college, right? right. Like that, that route and become a doctor or whatever. But she's like, no, I want to get an entertainment, which is very tricky. It's it's yeah. not, it's, there's no guarantee it's going to pay off. But she said, that's why she's so ambitious. A, she's just ambitious, but she's like, I had to make it worth my parents' sacrifice, you know, yeah. that kind of pressure, um, you know, because hopefully, um, you know, like you said, they came here and land is huge because that's all you had back then. Um, right. So land was huge. That was wealth. Um. And also the, you know, being able to be on boards as an elder, being able mm-hmm. to have a say so yep. in, in the traditional government and, and, you know, and of white people and like, but I just, I just thought it was interesting. That's Eleanor Billington, she's by the way. And I just, I thought it was interesting that she's, she's also, she's, she may be the mother of white trash in America mm-hmm. okay. uh, uh. or AKA <laughs> uh, the, the American uh, rabble rouseness. Um, you want those people to, you kind of want those people around, but you also want those people tempered because they can just start smelling their own fart and get out of hand. But again, yeah. I'm the other person. I'm part of the strangers. I'm like, can you motherfucker stop trying to fight until we get on land? Listen, can we say, and, and keep your kid away from the gunpowder? You know what? Watch your children. <laughs> Watch your children. Oh, don't get mad at me when I watch your children so I don't die. Okay. That, yes. You know what? Like, I'm yeah. really mad. Like, I feel like I need to go to the school board and complain. Okay. <laughs> I probably would have uh, put him in a, a headlock. I, I, you you would have. 100%. They want to put that little boy in a headlock. I mean, yeah. he's, well, he wasn't that young. He was, I think he's 16, 15 or 16. Yeah. Watch so, your kid. And it's like, motherfucker, you bored. Why don't you go out and help build what we build in our land? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why, why don't you do that? I have something to entertain <laughs> you. It's help everyone else asshole (laughs) so that is eleanor billington wow all right i'm gonna go on a very different route but i don't know okay still a white lady so is not that different and like from about a hundred years ago ish a little more than that but happy thanksgiving we're going to canada all right all right. You know what? Then. Canadians yes. have Thanksgiving too. I just don't know why. Like, I I don't know the story. I did not know that actually. They do. It's in October. But I think because oh, it gets colder okay. sooner. So it's like the harvest gotcha. is already here where we're like, we need like a minute. Gotcha. You know? Okay. Did you ever, did you ever read or watch the movies Anne of Green Gables? Uh, yeah. Okay. We're going to talk. I love me some redheads. Come I on. Know. Come on. You do. Um, we are going to talk about Gables. Lucy Maud Montgomery, who wrote all of the Anne books and other things. I love her very much. Oh, so much. going to be good. You guys, I'm a little bit of a nerd. I'm going to try to keep it in a reasonable length, but I love her so much. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I let like I grew up those and like the movies and all of the books, all of the books, mm-hmm. like I memorized. I have a problem and I admit it. Okay, <laughs> let's get started. So, Lucy Maud Montgomery, she was born in New London on Prince Edward Island in Canada on November 30th, 1874. So, her mom's name was Clara and she died of tuberculosis uh, when Lucy was like 21 months old. Her father, very, very sad about this, gave her, gave Lucy to her maternal grandparents. So he remained nearby, but he was not raising her. And she was basically raised by her grandparents. Uh, And then when she was seven, he actually left and went farther away in Canada. 
Um, at one point, a little bit later, she did spend a year with her father, but and he had remarried, but she she didn't like him. She definitely didn't like, like her stepmom and came back. So okay, she was an only child living with an older couple. Um, and so she was, there was a level of like boredom and aloneness, which she talks about how that inspired her imagination, her love of nature and books and writing. Um, she started to keep a journal when she was nine, but she also had time um, with her cousins because they lived nearby um, and she'd visit her grandfather, her paternal grandfather. And she loved, loved, loved the town she was living in, in Cavendish. And she loved, loved, loved Prince Edward Island. If you watch the movies, if you read the books, you'll know. Um, in 1887, when she was 13, she wrote in her diary that she had, quote, early dreams of future fame, which is so cute. And she was right. Um, she submitted a poem for publication and she wrote, quote, I saw myself the wonder of my schoolmates, a little local celebrity. End quote. But then she was rejected as she wrote. I love her so much. She wrote, quote, tears of disappointment would come in spite of myself as I crept away to hide the poor crumpled manuscript in the depths of my trunk. Um, oh, I love an earnest little girl. Yes, Aww. me too. Get it, girl. So in mm. 1893, she went to the Prince of Wales College in Charlottetown to get her teacher's license. And she managed to do a two year program in just one year. Um, she would spend time wandering and there's something that she talks about that happened as she wandered like the countryside in Prince Edward Island called, um, the flash, which was a moment of tranquility and clarity when she felt emotional ecstasy and was inspired by the awareness of a higher spiritual power running through nature. So this is like. Her whole life, she was very, very religious, very spiritual, and also very, very into nature, which you see in her writings a lot. Um, in 1895 and 1896, she studied literature at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And then after university, she became a teacher and she worked in various Prince Edward Island schools. Now, she listen, she didn't like teaching. This was her day job. Like, this is very relatable. She w was a writer, <laughs> but she needed to make ends meet. And yep. as a woman, you had literally one job you could do to make the money. And so she did that. Um, but she was very bright. And so she managed to get her education quickly and get it done. Um, also, girl was good looking. Girl was like, people like were like, yes, yes. So she had a lot of proposals, a lot of marriage proposals. Did she did she have red hair? She didn't. No, brown hair. Oh. I know. Okay. <laughs> I know. Um but she like she taught she writes she so she had a journal since she was a kid and she talks about how um these men, one was like just a friend, the other was like boring and insufferable, you know, but they just they didn't they didn't notice. They just wanted to marry her. Um she finally did say yes to a proposal from an Edwin Simpson in 1897. He was still a student. So they, they, they were engaged. Um, and she, ba she basically said yes, because she felt like he was the best of all possibilities, but then immediately saw that he was, he was pretty awful 
self-centered, douchey girl. Been there, you know. Been there because the the <laughs> like they would they would take a walk and then he'd propose. You know, they didn't do. There was not a lot of yeah. like right, right, no one right. moved they in with anyone. Quality time, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so during this time, she's engaged. She had a brief but passionate love affair with a man named Herman Leard. Um, so she was boarding with the family, and he was a member of the family. Now, he was also engaged to another woman. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And she wrote... Messy. Yeah, right? <laughs> she did not write novels about this. Um, she wrote in her diary that she loved him at the most. And she wrote in her diary that Simpson's kisses left her cold and Leard's left her, you know, very warm, if you will. Mm. Um, and ultimately, Leard would be the love of her life. So, okay. Mm. And I, I, as I was doing research, I read, this is a sentence I read. In Victorian Canada, premarital sex was rare for women. Okay. Can we talk about that for a second? Because I don't think it was sure. rare. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that you had to be careful because we didn't have what? Birth control. That is true. That is. It's like, so the old puritanical idea of like, no sex before marriage, da, da, da. That was also just a practical thing because if you got into trouble, that could be a whole nother thing. What are we going to do? Yeah, that's true. But yeah, people were definitely having more. They were having more sex than people were saying. Yeah, like I know it was like scandalous and like a sin and all that, like air quotes. But like, but like, I don't know, rare. And also like, what is sex exactly? Right. Penetration. Maybe they were like, don't penetrate. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which. So this girl was brought up in a very strict, like, you will go to hell household. Right. So she was like, can't have sex. But I love him. Mm -hmm. So. She would invite him into her bedroom when everyone else was away and she she didn't have sex with him. She wanted to be a virgin bride, but they did like all the other stuff, (laughs) which, oh, listen, I love that about her. Well, (laughs) that is why his kisses left her all warm inside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. So her family and friends kept saying that he wasn't good enough for her. But also, like, and this is my note, he was also engaged, so maybe that's also a problem. Um, yeah. But so she just broke it off with him. And then shortly soon after that, he died from the flu. Oh, no. Yeah, which it oh. was 1898. So was it the People flu? People still died of the flu. Yeah. I mean, it could have been tuberculosis. Right? Uh, <laughs> Getting bit by a snake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be turning your head wrong. Then, but... Yeah, back then. Who, yeah. who knows? Um, but after this moment, she stopped looking for romantic love. She just let that go. So in 1898, her grandfather suddenly died. And remember, her grandparents were who raised her. So she returned to Cavendish and took care of her grandmother. Uh, because if she didn't, her grandmother would have had to leave her home, which is exactly what oh. happens in Andrew Green Gables with Marilla and Matthew. But anyways, um, <laughs> I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, so she stayed <laughs> with her grandmother for the next 13 years, except for one nine month period. She worked as a proofreader uh, for the Daily Echo in Halifax. So in 1905, she wrote Anne of Green Gables. 
I love this so much. I'm having a hard time not being so excited about that sentence. And I think I'm not succeeding. I am so excited about that sentence. Okay. So she sent the manuscript to several publishers, but after receiving rejections from all of them, so let's be inspired, okay? Mm -hmm. She put it away in a hat box. In 1907, she found the manuscript, reread it, and she tried again. In 1908, it was published and it was an immediate success. By November 1909, it had gone through six printings. Wow. I know, right? Okay, so let's talk about how it was received because this is fun. Okay. So Canada loved it. Canada was like, yes, okay, she's one of us. One of us. Um, the American press, probably a little jealous, suggested that this book was only possible in Canada because the people in Canada were nowhere near as advanced as in the U.S. Cute. I know, right? Put your claws away. You know man wrote that, but it still is like... I know, right? Uh, so there's a haters go hate <laughs> there's nothing you can do girl you just you be you okay yeah. okay America's gonna exactly. America it always does yep oh, yeah. uh-huh. um, and white I- on white crime I'm just saying I'm just saying <laughs> Mm-hmm. There you it was go. brought on the Mayflower. Right. Okay, <laughs> let's bring it back to that because it always comes back to that now, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yep. Um, all right. So, a 1911 newspaper article in Boston said, "This is a quote. This isn't the whole quote, but this is part of the quote. This story was the work of a modest young school teacher who was doubtless as surprised as any of her neighbors when she found her sweetly simple tale of childish joys and sorrows of a diminutive red-haired girl who had made the literary hit of the." season with the American public. Okay. So first of all, she writes to a letter in a letter to a friend, quote, I am frankly in literature to make a living out of it. End quote. Like <laughs> that no, I wrote the book on purpose. It was not an accident. I wrote it on purpose. Run me my money, motherfucker. Right. Basically. And then the the British scholar Faye Hamill noted that in the books Anne is actually a tall girl, and she is a tall girl. We talk about that. It's in the words in the book. Um, and Lucy was 37 when it was published. So maybe she wasn't this young teacher uh, talking about a diminutive child. My ass. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's very condescending. And you said it was a British critic. Oh, that's even more. That's even more well, coded. No, the, she was the one who called who called it out. Uh, oh, uh, oh no, no, no. okay. No, it's an no. The the it was America. It was an American. Oh, I thought you saw it. I, I, he okay. was Levetta. Okay. It was America. Okay, America, mm-hmm. America. Yeah. Okay, okay. So after her grandmother died in 1911, and then she did get married to a man named Ewan McDonald, who was a minister, a Presbyterian minister. So they moved to Ontario because he got a job there, and they lived in uh, what they called the Leeksdale Mans, um, that she complained had neither bathroom nor toilet. Um, oh, no. Yeah, not cool, not cool. Wait so, a minute, did she make a lot of money off of this? She, I'll get to that. She did okay, make money, okay, and eventually, yes. But okay. I think they maybe had to live there. I think that house was... You know, he was a minister, so I think that that was like the house for it, and she had no choice. Um, So the thing is, her husband was not like, he wasn't the most intelligent person, and he was not interested in literature to a degree, to the degree where she like had to explain literature to him. 
Um, mm. Yeah, it was not great. Um, they had three sons and one was stillborn. Um, so she, I mean, they had a very unhappy marriage. Um, and her Aww. next 11 books to some degree was the result of her need to escape her hardships of, of reality. And writing was always very, a very solid solace to her. She waited to marry so late and then it was unhappy. I know. I, you know, wait, it's, mm, she, no. she, you know, yeah. she kind of tried, she kind of tried to, oh yeah, to course. find the right, yeah, but. Um, World War One affected her pretty deeply, and she wrote an essay in 1915 um, appealing for volunteers. And she ended her essay by stating that women on the home front were playing a crucial war, a crucial role in the war effort, and thus leading her to ask for women's suffrage. That's the only thing I found about her, like looking to. Uh, fight for women's suffrage. And I, I, I have a feeling and I don't know, and I haven't done all the research in the world on her. Right. I'm sure there's mm -hmm. more, but I feel like she was caught between her brilliance and her abilities and her talents at being put down upon, like despite her success, continuing to be put down and her religious, very strong religious beliefs, mm. you know, yeah, that do that do and, it. That makes it more yeah. complicated in your head. Um, yeah. Now, in October seventh, nineteen fifteen, she gave birth to her third child, and was thrown into a depression when she realized she couldn't nurse her baby because in those days oh, you'd, you'd use milk and it wasn't pasteurized, so it really yep. was. That's why formula is so important. Yep. What did they do beforehand? Right. You know what? They risked the baby. That's the answer to your question. Yep. Fed is best. I don't know why I'm going off on that tangent right now, but here we are. <laughs> um, so she actually dealt with pretty severe depression for most of her life. And it was exacerbated by her husband's pretty solid issues with depression and mood swings. Um, they mm. gave her meds to help her, but... As you can imagine, uh, those meds were not great, and she became addicted to them throughout her life. Um, oh. In 1918, she was stricken with the flu. The Spanish this, this is the the flu we all yeah, know. Spanish flu, and yeah. she almost yeah. died. And then her best friend actually did die of it uh, a year later. Now, apparently, her husband. There, this is a rabbit hole you can go down. He was a little. Who there would be there's there's diagnoses for her husband now, but at the time it was just like bizarre and manic and problematic. So he was no help to her at all. He was indifferent to her suffering while she was sick. She considered divorce, but it was really hard to do in those days. Like basically like four people out of five billion got divorced. Yeah. Yeah. And she decided it was her Christian duty to make her marriage work. So mm. in 1917, she was engaged in some bitter, costly, and burdensome lawsuits with Louis, I cannot pronounce this middle name, Cuis, C O U E S, Page, Mr. Page. He was the owner of the publishing house Elsie Page and Company, and he was a known mm. douche bucket as a tyrant gotcha. and a cheat. So she received oh, seven okay. cents on the dollar. 
of every one of her brilliant genius and books instead of 19 cents on the dollar that she was entitled what? to. Yes. So Seven instead of 19? So yeah. he's ripping her off. He's taking more than half of what he was supposed to be right? giving her. He's just a fucktard. That's... She's that, getting 30%, basically. Yeah, which is insane. Of what she should be getting. That's um, insane. So she switched publishers in 1917 when she discovered this. Um, but then when she left, he demanded that she sign over the American yeah. rights to yeah, Anne's yeah. House of, of Dreams. Which is, of well, there's argument as to what the order of the books are. Because it don't matter, motherfucker. No, you've been cheating me, and now you want me to sign over valuable uh, sources of income. Uh-huh. Fuck you yeah. over stuff that I created. You can suck it. You can suck it. Okay, you can suck it. Sing it, sing it, Levetta. Sing it. He a dick. <laughs> suck it, suck go. it, suck it, mm-hmm. suck it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your your voice douche is bucket. so beautiful. <laughs> suck it, douche bucket. Okay, that's something, right? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna publish that. All right, I'm not though. I'm just kidding. Don't everyone calm down. Um, because I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. So she was supposed to get what, 19 or 18? 19, and she got seven. So he was already, so he was already getting 81. Yeah. percent Yeah. And he still was like, "What? Well, you need to sign over America. You can, yeah." All I gotta say, this is what is that you're showing. This up. makes people want to disappear. This this makes you want to disappear, people. Mm-hmm. I'm just no, saying. I hear you. I'm also, saying. I heard that math. That was good. Okay. Um, <laughs> proud of you. Uh, so he demands that she signs over one of her books, Anne's House of Dreams, one of my favorites. Um, when she refused, he cut off the royalties sold for, uh, what, what? No. So he cut off the royalties she was getting from her earlier Anne books. And without actually owning the U.S. rights to Anne's House of Dreams, he still sold those rights to the disreputable publishing house of Grosset and Dumblet, Dunlap. Just to pressure her. Allegedly disreputable. Allegedly disreputable. Oh, wow. That's, they're still around. It's alleged. It's super alleged. <laughs> and it's probably owned by like other people now. So buy their books. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's alleged. <laughs> I'm not even mad at them. I'm mad at Paige. They're just yeah, like, what? Yeah. Okay. And I'm just reading here. Maybe they are super reputable. My bad. Don't sue me. Okay, so she sued. This is just pimping. It's just pimping. It's just pimping. Is what it is. It's, it's yes, literary pimping. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I and I and Paige was such a dick. He was probably like, no, no, no. I really do have the rights. Trust me. And they were like, oh, okay. So she, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. instead of her agreeing, she sued Grosset and Dunlap. Dunlap. I can't even say them. Um, and he thought that since he was a millionaire and she was definitely not, that she would give in. But no, mm-mm. she hired a lawyer in Boston and sued him. And it was back and forth for years. But in 1925, the courts ruled in her favor. Then he tried to publicly humiliate her and harass her in order to avoid paying her. So not only did this not work, he then he damaged his reputation so badly that no author would work with him again. So he only was able to make his money by reprinting mm. old things. Yes, girl. Good. I love it when a when a, something backfires on an I asshole. Know, right? I love it. It's so satisfying. Um, and then she. And you know what's so sad about it yeah. is that he could have easily just paid her. All he had to do was pay, like honestly, and he had to pay. Yeah. He had to pay her less. She ended up receiving a check for yeah. fifteen thousand U.S. dollars. Fifteen thousand U.S. dollars. Which is how much? Did you do that? Like a lot. <laughs> no, I never oh. do the math. <laughs> I just assume it's five billion. You know why? Because inflation. <laughs> now it's five billion dollars. She got five true. billion dollars in back pay. Um, 
Okay, so there's two movies made in those days. The 1919 movie of Anne of Green Gables and the 1934 version of Anne of Green Gables. I have seen the 1934 version of Anne of Green Gables. And it's stupid. I'll say it. It's allegedly stupid. You know what? Come at me. The ending is wrong. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. But the 1919 version has an American flag on a building as she like graduates. What? This is a Canadian movie. It's a Canadian story written by a woman who's Canadian. What are they doing? Okay. America. America. Seriously. And they, yeah, no, trash to, to trash, trash, trash. Um, she did not get one penny. Why? Because her publisher, Mr. Page, signed some bullshit that said that he owned the rights and he got royalties from the movies. Oof. And that, like, you, it's another rabbit hole you could go down. It's very fascinating. You actually can't find a copy of the 1919 yeah. version of it anymore because um, of drama that had nothing to do with this. Um, right. On June 3rd, 1935, King George V named her to the Order of the British Empire. Oh, she became a dame. And she oh, loved I it. See. And I, I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and despite her efforts to raise the profile of Canadian literature through the Canadian Authors Association, the male avant-garde of Canadian literature complained about the mostly female membership of the CAA, who they felt glorified someone like Lucy Maud Montgomery, who wasn't, quote, a serious writer. Listen, Mm -hmm. because she was a woman writing about girls and women. Yeah, they can suck my dick. Um, (laughs) How do I feel? Tell me how you really feel. I will tell you how I really feel. So (laughs) here is the sad news. Um... And this is this is a little bit controversial. So on April 24th, 1942, she was found dead in her bed in her Toronto home. Now, the cause of death was recorded on her death certificate as coronary thrombosis. Now, mm-hmm. in September 2008, her granddaughter, Kate McDonald Butler, revealed that she suffered from revealed that revealed about her suffering from depression that I already talked about. And Mm -hmm. she may have ended her life through drug, through a drug overdose. Mm. There was a note that was found on her bedside table, which read in part quote, this is not the whole thing. She says, I have lost my mind by spells and I do not dare think what I may do in those spells. May God forgive me and I hope everyone else will forgive me even if they cannot understand. My position is too awful to endure and nobody realizes it. When an end to a life, what an end to a life in which I tried always to do my best. Now, there is an alternative explanation of this note that in there's a Mary Henley Rubio wrote a biography in 2008 called Lucy Maud Montgomery, The Gift of Wings, which suggests that she may have intended it as an entry in part of a journal that is now lost because she they don't know. They don't know. They do know that on the same day there were like there's eight well-known Anne books. She actually wrote a ninth that was a little bit darker 
And on Mm -hmm. the same day that they found her body, she gave that ninth book to her publisher. Um, Mm. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's whatever happened. It's it's infuriating and very sad. Yeah. She created such a beautiful piece of of literature that inspired so many and brought comfort to so many uh, millions of people and then was, you know, struggling personally, mostly due to other people's things. Because it sounds like she was also it sounds like maybe just a little what what is it? Xanax, like a little medication, modern medication would have had her her and a psychiatrist seeing her every so often. Yeah. Some therapy mm -hmm, like, like and you know, but that that extraordinary amount of like pressure from this asshole who's hounding you, harassing you, and she's uh, fighting and then the unhappy back, marriage, and she doesn't. She's doing then, this massively brave thing, protecting all these other own. people, and she doesn't have that support on her own. And it's one of those things where, like, if she was single, let's say, then she would know, and she'd have her world and her friends and her. But she's not. She's coming home to a man who's got a lot of his own problems that she's having to manage on top yeah. of that. Um, and she yeah. probably has her own mental health would have been diagnosed under, and, under any circumstance. That's just there. And religious doctrine. Right. Within her heart. Yeah. That's like, you you know, you just pray about it. It'll get better. Right. Just pray. And that's not science. Um, I, I want to point out, and I love the end book so much, but she also wrote the Emily of New Moon series. There's three books. Beautiful. I love it. And in that book, she makes Emily want to be a writer. So that was another one of my favorite books because I, I wanted to be a writer when I was a child, too. I know it's surprising. Um, and uh, Never too late. And she talks about how Anne was, Anne was her imagination and Emily was her love of writing. You know, she did put part of herself in in the characters, but she was her own person. She also wrote a series, Pat of Silverbush, which people were, you know, this was a grown up. Pat was a grown up with her with her ups and her downs, you know, and that I mean, still brilliant books, but people wanted what they wanted from her. And so they did. They just didn't do as well. I mean, she ultimately published, there's also, I'm going to throw this out there because you guys, I'm a nerd, The Blue Castle, if you haven't read it. It's one of the most beautiful books. I love it so, so much. Um, She wrote, she published over 20 novels. She published 20 novels, over 500 short stories, an autobiography, and a book of poetry. So... Wow, 500 short stories. Yes. Wow. Prolific. Very prolific. Yes. Yeah. I didn't and know that. There I mean there is more but you know I I could I could have a whole podcast 10 episodes. <laughs> I won't I won't I won't do it. Um but I just I just thought I'd bring her beautiful light to light on this Thanksgiving day um, or week after yes. Thanksgiving day. I don't know. I'm still, I still don't know. I'm probably wrong. I'm no, generally wrong, honestly. <laughs> well, I mean, people might, might listen to it later, but you know, it doesn't matter right. because that is a beautiful, beautiful story and sad, but also let's try and celebrate her life yes. and the legacy that she left in these wonderful um, pieces of art. And, and, and I, you know, obviously, I think, no, go ahead. I think go ahead, it's Darn. okay if, if the truth is that yes, she ended her life. Like that doesn't negate her very beautiful life, her very beautiful contribution to the world. Do you know what I mean? Like 
I, you know, and it's sad. It's just very, very sad. But it, yeah. you know, we we have so much more awareness of mental health and, and and what can happen when things go wrong. You know, there's there's grace and there's empathy for what happened, whatever it is that happened. Exactly. But but thank you. I mean, hopefully it's a, a source of inspiration uh, to someone. And, you know, that's the whole point of this podcast to yeah. uh, to entertain, but also inspire people uh, to learn more on their own. Uh, also go out and seek these books. Um, yes. So this this material is amazing. Uh, but um, we also want to honor her as well. Uh, as well as Eleanor, my lady, who, uh, okay. again, you know, maybe the I mother mean, of, uh, I just want to say, Eleanor, her defense, white trash versus rebel rouser. I mean, you know, one man's, you know. Oh, one man's white trash so, is another man's rebel rouser. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> like, but I mean, that's a beautiful story. So thank you for sharing uh, that with us uh, this week on Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. Thanksgiving week. What you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. Well, guys, that wraps it up for this episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Guys, remember to follow us on all the things, uh, social media, um, uh, download. And you know what? Again, we haven't said this for a while. So copy the link and send it to your friend. Don't just tell them about it. Copy the Notorious Women Podcast link and send it to your friend via text or email. Um, But text is better. Also, you can always... Yeah, text is always better because then they can just tap on it and it goes into it and, and it's on their phone. Um, also, you can uh, leave us a five-star review that helps us uh, tremendously. Yes. And you can also support our Patreon at patreon.com slash notoriouswomen. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash notoriouswomen. And Miriam, how else can they find us and help and support the show? Let's see. We have our Instagram. Come follow us there. Um, it's so easy, you guys. It's Notorious Women Podcast. Just follow us. We're fun. We're good times. Okay? Um, I try to find the funny Absolutely. memes. It's on our stories. Um, click our stories. Um, and we are also on TikTok. Like, we're little on TikTok. But we're still on TikTok. Come find us. Come follow us. Come TikTok with us. Um, which is also Notorious Women Podcast. So easy, you guys. Um, and then we, you can also send us an email. We're at NotoriousWMPod at gmail.com. Um, let us know your thoughts, your ideas. We love to hear from you. Also, we're on YouTube. If you like a YouTube person. Um, That's right. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. So come find us everywhere. And tell all your friends. Tell all your friends. And uh, again, thank you for all your support, for downloading, sharing, and listening to our nonsense. We hope you're having a good time. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.